I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. Because what was it, last week, maybe a week and a half ago, where um, NASA, you know, sent uh, sent a couple guys up to Mars, and, you know, they posted some photos, and it got me thinking, because I was thinking about that today, and by today, I mean Saturday, March 13th, I was thinking about that today, and I was like, you know what would be a really fantastic idea? If NASA hired Alfred Payton, truly, I, I really think Alfred Payton would make a phenomenal astronaut. I think he would. I think he's got the balls for it. I think he's a guy who would definitely could help explore the universe. I think NASA should hire Alfred Payton and send him up there to explore the wonders of the universe. I really do. And I'm not... I just think it'd be a fantastic fucking idea. I mean, this guy, he deserves it. After all that he's done, he deserves consideration for NASA to hire him and send him up to the moon, send him up to Mars, have him stay there for a while. You know, from now until, let's say, you know, midsummer. You know? I really think that'd be a great idea. Just a consideration. Because, you know, I was, I'm just trying to be nice. I was thinking about that today. And I'm like, you know what? They should really think about hiring Alfred Payton. I just, I, I just, I can't think of a better person. Um, you know, maybe Gary Sanchez, but we'll have to wait and see what he does this year with the Yankees to, you know, see if he has time to do that. But I think right now, where we are, I think Alfred Payton will be the perfect guy to go up there. So I really think NASA, NASA should consider sending him up. Yeah, I really do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even being a dick. I, I think they should. Um, you know, I said that on YouTube earlier in a comment section, and, and the cupcakes at YouTube actually took it down. No, 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 no profanity, nothing, no curse words, no, nothing, nothing bad. I didn't even, not even no curse words. I didn't even use slang. Right? I said that they should send him to Mars and they deleted it. They are so soft. YouTube deleted it and they're probably going to, they're probably going to delete this freaking podcast because I just bashed them. Um, God, how soft would that be? But I, I shit you not. They deleted my, those cupcakes that YouTube deleted my my comment simply saying send Alfred Payton to Mars that's all I said and they deleted it it was a, a reply to what MSG posted like you know if you follow MSG network on YouTube they post the uh, the post game clips and stuff so I said they should send him to Mars just trying to be a good you know a thoughtful human being here and just you know providing some insight is you know he make a great astronaut and they deleted my comment 
just trying to be helpful. Really, I, I really just was, you know. I think he'd get some really good snapshots of Mars if he sent Alfred up there. I think he'd do a fantastic job exploring. But, hey, they didn't like it. You know who else I don't like? Who else I really just can't stand? I don't know if you guys follow Knicks Fan TV, but they're spectacular. Um, they're legitimate Knicks platforms. They're unlike me. They actually have a following, and you know people go to them. Um, but they're really fucking good. And, you know, obviously there's this whole thing lately with CP and Kellerman. And CP has never been a fan of big media, ESPN and all that. And rightfully so, you know, they're just, they just do a terrible, terrible job, um, doing their homework. And, you know, we talked about the whole thing the other week, how they're so bad at covering, you know, things that aren't popular narrative that they were talking about how the Knicks were playing well, thanks to Austin Rivers while DSJ sits in the G League, which we know both of those things are true. DSJ wasn't even here when they said that. He was in uh, Detroit and still is. And um, Rivers hasn't contributed since like the first month or two of the season. So just goes to show. Um, but, you know, there's this, this all, it was round three uh, with, with <clears throat> excuse me, with CP and Kellerman uh, yesterday, I think it was, maybe two nights ago. Um, well, no, it was yesterday afternoon. Round three. CP was on Kellerman's show. And, you know, he bitched him around once again. I mean, it's 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 just so funny. You know, I mean, the, the guy, there's this whole thing. It's just Kellerman, it, it's Frank Isola now getting into it. It's some of the producers from Kellerman's show. This whole thing, it, it's just ridiculous. This guy's just up there being, you know, basically just a company bitch. That's what he is. He's an L.A. boy now, just a company bitch, a complete shill for ESPN. And just out there, just blurting out narratives. And anytime CP would say something truthful or, or something that had to do with basketball, the play on the fucking court, here goes Kellerman bitching about something completely irrelevant or making something little big. You know... Just constantly bringing up James Dolan. You know, mentioning the whole Patrick Ewing thing. You know, on top of the Spike Lee incident a couple years ago, last year. On top of the Charles Oakley incident a couple years ago. He brings up now the Patrick Ewing thing. Like, 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 bitch, stop making unimportant matters bigger than what they are. Not to mention, the Knicks were both, they were correct on both of these fronts. All three of them, if you want to say. You know, even the Oakley thing. You can make a case that the Knicks were right. But this whole thing, you don't have your card or whatever. You, don't expect everybody to know who you are, you know. Should the Knicks security have a little better understanding of who, you know, they're working for and, and the history of the organization? Yeah, sure. But, like, dude, don't expect to be privileged just because who you are and don't expect people to know, you know. You're a fan going into the game now. You're supposed to be treated like one. But it, it, that's besides the point. Because every time CP would try to bring up his... The play on the court. The Knicks are playing well. Was pretty much his point. Was trying to say the Knicks deserve some better... Some more acknowledgement of how solid they're playing this season. And here goes Kellerman just bringing up irrelevant matters. James Dolan. James Dolan. Just following that exhausted, tired excuse of, of James Dolan... 
which I, I just I'm to, I'm so tired of it. Like the Knicks can be good. They don't you don't have to continue using this James Dolan narrative now. They can be good on the court and still have Dolan. You can be a Knicks fan and not love Dolan. Like, can you at least admit? Like, the, it's got it, it's gotten so far to where like people were saying the Knicks will never be decent until Dolan leaves. I was never on board with that. I'm not a Dolan guy. Who is a Dolan guy? But to say that the Knicks can't be good with him at leadership is blasphemy. You know, we haven't even heard about the guy this year. You know, he's busy doing whatever the fuck is focusing on his band. And the Knicks are playing good because that has nothing to do with the product on the court. Now, would we like for him to be out of here? Of course, it would probably help draw some more free agents. But the way he, if you watch the th these three interviews, these three, I wouldn't even call them interviews because basically it's just CP trying to bring reason and Kellerman out here just spewing you know, bullshit like, a, like an angry little kid on Twitter. It's just ridiculous. The shit we were here, the shit I heard, it's, again, it's just, it's continuing to follow that narrative of, of Knicks for clicks and, you know, Knicks bad, Knicks fans delusional. Those stupid narratives that are just tired and, and like, we're finally a decent team. And all CP was trying to say is the Knicks are playing well. They should earn some acknowledgement. And, you know, he wouldn't even give them that. And this this L.A. boy, this Kellerman shill, is just bringing up how it's crazy. Because to me, it's like this guy, from what it sounds like listening to these things and watching them, it sounds like he's he's making it seem like being a loyal fan is bad and being a bandwagon fan is good. Like, when has that been the thing? When has that been the case? Bandwagon, the thing with band, being a bandwagon fan, a front runner, whatever you want to call it, used to be a subtle thing. You didn't want people to know. But here's Kellerman pretty much blatantly saying out loud is, you know, I've hopped to LA because I don't want to be a Knicks fan because James Dolan bad. Basically admitting he's a bandwagon and being proud of it. I mean, when has that been respectable? Why, why should people respect you? And of course, he has the platform. He has the producers behind him and everything to, you know, to make it seem like he has the upper hand. But if you watch these things, CP was just running circles around. He was just destroying them. It just got me so worked up. It's like, because it's one of those things you follow and you're like, you know, this right here. This right here is why I blah, blah, blah. And that was it. That right there is why I do not watch ESPN. I do not watch or follow big media outlets. And the platforms that I do go to to get my Knicks information and Yankees information are podcasts, are blogs, and other platforms fan-made. Not journalists on TV just looking for ratings and views and clicks and shkadol. So I, I just fucking watched it and now, you know, I just continue to be fed up. But it's like, it's... If you want the true definition of who a Knicks fan is, you got to go follow CP on Knicks Fan TV and listen to them because I listen to them every every single time the the Knicks play. They they do their post game live stream, CP J Ellis and, and um, Ashley, and they do a wonderful fucking job. Uh, I called in one time last year in 2019, 
Um, but they've gotten so big since that I, every time I've tried calling in since I haven't been able to get through because they have so many people who call in now. They have such a big following. And um, this guy is the face of, of the fan base and he's spectacular. And I just wanted to say I was so happy that he, he is, he's really speaking for all of us. And we're so fortunate that he was able, he's so big that he was able to go on a big time platform like that and, and pretty much expose Kellerman, ESPN, Isola and all those, you know, shills on ESPN and the big markets. So that was awesome. Um, but at the same time infuriating, but yeah, I was listening to a show tonight at, or yeah, tonight actually. And just cracking up because they were talking about that, but they were also just talking about, they were moving on and talking about the nets, how they're up next. And, um, you know, Ashley brought up a great, she, she made up an over under. She, she, I think she put 850 out of the 1000 fans in attendance at Barclays on Monday night will be Knicks fans. And honestly, what's that like 80, 20, 85, 15. That's not even far off. That's probably pretty close to the truth. And I, I just thought that was pretty fucking hilarious. Um, because she was also saying, she said the only Nets fans and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the only Nets fans she knows and I say this shit all the time. The only Nets fans she knows are those Gen Z TikTokers who, you know, have those since 2018 labels on their Twitter accounts. <laughs> it's just so fucking true, dude. You don't see Nets fans. The only Nets fans you see are those 17-year-olds who follow the, the KD, Kyrie, James Harden, you know, shtick. Just because they have a super team. So... It just goes to show who who's the legit team here in New York, and I don't mean to bring this up because it's it's a tired, you know, thing that's been going on forever. But like, come on, let's let's. There are no such thing as Nets fans. I, I've never, I know maybe three Nets fans, and I don't even think they follow the Nets anymore. That's how with KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, and now Blake Griffin. That's how unimportant they are to people because everybody knows it's all about the Knicks, win or lose in New York and it's always been that way and that's why New York City is so wild when the Knicks are winning and there was that video you know we were talking about here on the show maybe in episode 218 um before before all-star break where fucking the Knicks were over 500 for the first time in a while this this deep into the season it was after the win it was after that three-game win streak and they had Knicks fans going wild in the streets outside MSG right outside MSG and it was like on 33rd and 8th. And just shit like that. Just simply hitting 500 was was getting New Yorkers just really just, they were just throwing a party out, out on 33rd and 8th. And shit like that. It just goes to shit. You don't see Nets fans doing that now. Nets fans can't even fill their stadium and they have limited capacity. You see Knicks fans doing that when they're 500. It's like, it just goes to show, this is all about New York here. Nobody gives a damn about those those irrelevant, despite the three, four superstars on that roster organization. But, you know, here I am talking about them, so I probably don't want to go on too long about them. But I just thought that was hilarious. She, she, she said what I've been thinking. Ashley said, only Nets fans you see are those Gen Z TikTokers <laughs> just hopping on the bandwagon. Those, those beta bitches. That's what I call them. Um, all right, but the Knicks are playing good, and we want to talk Knicks. We don't want to talk the the New Jersey Nets because who cares? So let's get to it. Let's get to the Knicks in a bit. Um, we're going to head to our first break in a couple of minutes, but um, the good thing is we're, we're 
you know, speaking of New York and and everything, we're getting the Yankees pretty soon, day by day. We're getting closer and closer. So that's going to be fun. We're going to start covering them once they begin their regular season. Um, we do occasionally write about their spring training games in the blog. Uh, today, I wasn't able to catch the full game because it was obviously overlapping with the Knicks, um, one o'clock and two o'clock. But you know, the games I'll catch, I, I will be able to. I'll write about in the blog. And uh, but as soon as, don't worry, as soon as the regular season begins, I will be all Yankees and all Knicks. Um, you know, because there's always that little overlap there at the end of the basketball season. So. Um, the Yankees played today and they took another victory this spring. I think they have four or five wins. Um, maybe six. They might have like five or six wins, but seven, maybe. I don't know. It, it's again, it's been hard to follow. Um, but yeah, they, they've been winning and the games that they do play, they're on. Yes. And I have to listen to Ruko and Cone who just listen. I'm sure they're, they're cool guys and, I just it's it's difficult to listen to them, man. They're they're so, and maybe it's just a Yankees thing, but maybe it's with every home team. But they're so like up the Yankees' ass. Everything's good, nothing's wrong. We're all fine and dandy. It's Gary Sanchez primed to have a bounce back. Giancarlo's gonna have a great year. Judge is gonna be fantastic. Like who isn't? Like there's always gonna be one guy who struggles. But who that they it's like they think everybody's gonna be so spectacular. Ugh, I just can't sometimes with those two. It's the it's that duo right there that kills me. I can deal with one of them. I can live with one, but them together. Oh man, it's brutal. It's brutal. So I, I, a lot of times I'll mute it and just. Again, I'm sure you guys are awesome. I'm sure they're really cool, and I'm sure they know a lot more than I do, obviously. But just it it, it just it goes through me, the overly optimistic takes. Just the overly enthusiastic personas they bring. And they're so analytically driven sometimes it's just hard to listen to. Um, whatever. Anyways, let's let's uh yeah, let's let's get to break and we'll get these things. We'll get started. We'll get it all started up once we get back. I am your host, RJ Carbone. Welcome to episode 221 of the podcast, BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and I want to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. But if this is your first time listening or watching the podcast, uh, thank you for that, but subscribe to us. You can subscribe to this podcast on YouTube if you're listening to it on YouTube. Um, and you can also subscribe to it on, you know, all the different podcast feeds, right? Wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, um, also known as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Anchor, SoundCloud, and many more platforms. Just go to my link tree. It will take you to all those different links and stuff. So go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. That will take you to my link tree, which has the podcast, which has the Knicks blog, the Yankees blog, um, and all three of my social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So go to my link tree and that's going to take us right into break. We'll be right back.
Hey fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. All right, so I obviously don't want to go too much into the Bucks game, which there's not much to talk about. The Knicks got the shit beat out of them. It was humiliating. It was horrendous. It was pretty unacceptable um, for the first game at a break. But, you know, we gave them a break because it was the first game of the second half after a seven-day layoff. So, um, yeah, they lose 101 to 134 in Milwaukee. Uh, obviously, you expected the Bucks to be hungry for revenge after the Knicks after the Knicks put a beat down on them way earlier in the season. Um, but they're a different team now. They've kind of found their rhythm a little bit, and um, they they did what they what you expected them to do to you know a team way 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 worse than them. Um, you know, mediocre offense for the Knicks, just 42, 35, 67 percentages across the board. Um, Got killed in the paint, minus 11 on the defensive glass. Um, they they were down 20 points in the paint. I think Milwaukee had 52 to our 32. Uh, we were also killed on the arc. The Knicks let up 47% um, on three. And that's that was like the Bucks hitting 18 out of 38. Uh, maybe 19. I don't know if the math checks out there, but... You know, you get the point. They killed us from inside the arc, outside the arc, inside the restricted area. Um, in, in transition, they were destroying us on the fast break, 19 to 1. Um, and, you know, obviously led by Giannis with a 24-point triple-double. Um, just taking advantage of whatever the Knicks did and didn't do. Right, Whenever the Knicks doubled Giannis, he would kick it to the perimeter. You know, finding Brooke Lopez, who was 2 for 6 from 3. Finding DiVincenzo, who hit a 3. Uh, Forbes, who was seven for seven from three-point distance, Augustine, he kicked it to him a couple times. He was three for three from outside. Uh, and when Giannis wasn't getting doubled, he'd obviously attack the paint and throw down a fucking slam on the Knicks' face. So, twenty-four point triple double for him. And on the flip side, the Bucks did a really good job neutralizing us by taking Julius Randle out of the game. Uh, completely neutralizing the Nick offense, and Randall just didn't have it. Just seven points on three for twelve shooting, five turnovers. He was kind of forced to be a creator that night, and he had six assists. Um, but you know the jumper was off, and he just couldn't bully his way into the paint because of the rim protection that the Bucks brought. Um, Peyton, another selfish performance from him, looking for his own, which he does way too often. Um, <laughs> 10 points, 28% from the floor, 25 from three. Took 14 shots in 24 minutes. Um, took four threes. It just, what are you doing, dude? Uh, we'll get to him later. Um, what else do I have written down here? By far the worst loss of the season. Again, just a horrific performance. RJ and Burks, maybe the only bright spots. Um, Burks in that first half. He ended up finishing 17 points, 8 assists. RJ, 22 points, 9 for 15. The midi looked good. Uh, he looked great. IQ had 15 points, but didn't really play well on either end. Um, you know, I thought the first indicator of trouble in Milwaukee, RJ Barrett gets into early foul trouble, you know, after his strong start. And 
you know, during this, the Bucks go on a 14 nothing run in that first quarter. So I thought the Knicks would kind of, there's a point I thought they would salvage that. You know, Frank grabbed the defensive board, went coast to coast, drew a foul, but he ended up missing two free throws. And I thought, again, that was kind of the indicator of things to come. So we enter the second quarter down five points. Burks kind of gets hot at the top of the second, brings the Knicks close. But then the Bucks just step on the pedal, play some defense, and they get hot. Like I said, in transition, they start killing the Knicks in the fast-paced full-court game. And from a, you know pretty much from there, the, the Knicks just get ran out of the gym. Again, I don't want to go too deep into this one because who really cares? Um, and that was that. A 33-point blowout, just ugly. Put it aside and completely screwed up my parlay there. But luckily, we bounced back tonight. Um both on the on the bet slip and uh, in the win category for the Knicks. Um, yeah, they, they, they take down OKC. But um, as far as this Bucks game, it was just ugly. Again, R.J. Barrett led in points with 22. Uh, you've had Julius Randle leading the rebounding lately, and he did it, he did it again there with eight. Um, didn't score, but he had eight rebounds to lead the Knicks. You know, when eight boards leads your team, you've got issues. Um, Alec Burks had six assists to lead there. Taj with the two steals, and then he and Noel also leading in blocks with two. So that was the game against the Bucks. Um, again, we don't want to talk about it because it's it's just whatever. There's not much to pick apart when you get blown out by that much. So we get to the second game after the break, and um, you know here's a here's a good bounce back. The Knicks taking down a team that they absolutely needed to take down, right? Um, the Knicks obviously still without D Rose, still without Mitchell Robinson. Um, quickly was questionable heading into it, but he ended up playing. And um, they end up taking down OKC, who also were without some key players, uh, Shea Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander. Uh, who else was it? A couple other guys who I don't... Uh, George Hill and maybe a few others. But, you know, still... Knicks had to take this game, and they did. They they picked up a big time victory, one hundred nineteen to ninety seven, and you know Knicks much better offensively. They shoot 48, 40, 77 across the board. They win the offensive glass, twelve to five. They they win the assist to turnover game, twenty three assists versus eleven turnovers. Uh, very efficient there. They have twelve steals versus three steals. So very active defensively for them in the passing lanes, active at the rim, and they had it going offensively, right? RJ and Julius carrying the way, along with a good performance from the bench. So um, it didn't start great, though. It really didn't. It started very ugly. It really pissed me off the way they started this game. It, Knicks just off to a bad start. Um, the Thunder just killing the Knicks inside the paint. Knicks had no rim protection to start this one out. OKC ends up scoring over 30 in the first quarter, up 9, 70% from the floor. It was bad. Um, but the second quarter comes, and the Knicks kind of start finding it. Slowly but surely, they progress as this game goes on. And, you know, Frank comes into the game. Um, no, I'm sorry, Frank checks out of the game. He has two, you know, picks up two early fouls. Um, but IQ checks into the game, and he starts hitting threes, throwing up some floaters, and... He had it going. He had the floaters back, bringing the floater back, and he took advantage of a very flawed OKC defense who they can go under the screen all they want on, on Emmanuel quickly. He will take advantage of that, and he did. Um, 
So the Knicks end up getting the lead at halftime, thanks to Quickly. He had 12 points in 12 minutes there in that second. Um, yeah, the they, second half comes, and they pretty much start to put this one away, although the Thunder kind of flirting with some fake comebacks here and there. The Knicks did, had, did have control. Um, you had R.J. Barrett continuing to play well. Randall, who got really hot in the second half. Uh, IQ continuing his game. RJ had that nine nothing run, you know, towards the top of the third quarter. Um oh I just see Embiid. It's official. He's out for at least two weeks. No structural damage, they said in the MRI, but he's gonna be reevaluated in two weeks. So Knicks get a break there. They play Philly this week. Um That sounded like a dick thing to say, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's like a dick. Um I didn't mean it that way. But, um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, where was I? RJ. Yeah, 9 nothing run by himself only at the top of the third quarter. Uh, IQ gets hot with him. You know, Julius in that fourth just gets getting buckets. I think he scored 13 of his 26 in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Knicks eventually make it a blowout in that fourth despite those, you know, pesky thunder they had a shit lineup out there but you know it was a bunch of young kids who actually have some promise though i, I shouldn't say shit because uh the kid dort if that's how you pronounce his name is good uh what's the kid with the the long last name Pov povu we'll call him you know he was in this upcoming draft that a lot of people well he was in this previous draft that a lot of people were saying is an up-and-coming um quality player so they had a bunch of their guys for them, a bunch of young kids. But the Knicks did take advantage, and they pulled out the victory. RJ just, tell you, man, RJ Barrett, day by day, he keeps playing so well. And I want to get to him first. Uh, so we're going to head to our break. Um, quick plug, and we'll get back, because I want to talk about RJ some. All right, so before we get to back to the show, I just want to um, check my app here because I have a quick parlay on this Bucks game. I've got the Giannis three and a half assists already. I've got the DiVincenzo one three-pointer. I just need to see if I can hit the Giannis 20 points and eight rebounds. I also got the Bucks covering five and a half and the over on 215. I need to see where we are there. It's the midway through the third quarter. Okay. Um, Giannis has 22. We can cross that out. He's got seven boards, so he needs one more there. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. The Bucks, man, I expected them to be blowing this team out. So the only thing I'm worried about is that minus five and a half spread in the Bucks' favor here. Uh, I think they can hit the over there on 214 and a half. Uh, damn. They're losing by three points right now. Do they even have... I don't even think the, the Wizards have Beal playing. He's never, There's no Bradley Beal. How are they losing this game? They're letting freaking 
Hachimura go off. Danny Abdia. Forgot about him. Westbrook's got 23. He's actually shooting 50%. Damn. Right. Well, hopefully they win by 5 or, or 6. Um, RJ Barrett's been so good, man. And what do you know? Here he is, just continuing to play really strong basketball. The night after scoring 22 points on 50% shooting, 60% shooting, he goes for a career high, his first 30-point outing of his career, 32. A 32-piece performance tonight from R.J. Barrett. 12 for 21 from the floor, 3 for 6 from the arc. Now he's averaging 17 points, 6 boards, and 3 assists on the season. But more importantly, I'm impressed with the efficiency across the board now. It's up to respectability. He's 45% on his field goals. He's now 36% on his 3-point shots. And the free throw percentage is hovering just under 75%. I think it's 72 if I'm to be exact. Which I would like for that to, to go up over 75. It's it's you know it's more of a nitpick, but he's been so good, dude. He's been so good. And you just see how mentally tough this kid is. That's the one thing I know. Like he is even when he struggles, you see this guy is just determined to succeed. And he is so mentally tough he's so stable up there in his mind he's never you know the confidence it always feels like even when he loses a little bit of confidence that he's at least still confident enough to continue taking those shots and not be afraid and we've seen that confidence just glisten over these last couple weeks months even with rj barrett just playing spectacular basketball such a hard worker doesn't let the noise get to him. You know, there were idiots on Twitter calling for this guy to go to the G League. There were some people calling him a bust just because he was struggling earlier in the year. He doesn't let any of that get to him. He continues to go out there every day. He's played in every single game, knock on wood, for big minutes too. knock on wood for this Knicks team. So you got to give him his credit. It's just a 20-year-old, so durable. And so consistent. I, that's the one thing, man. He's been so consistent. People are talking about how he's had his ups and downs. He really hasn't. He's really been pretty fairly fairly consistent for this Knicks team. When you look at the numbers across the, the game log, he's consistently shooting well from the floor. He's consistently scoring you 15 to 20 points. I have to say, I think he's been pretty consistent. I think that's been the one biggest jump is his consistency as a scorer has been really impressive and a lot of that has to do with improving the versatility of his offensive game right he is utilize he's so good at just taking advantage of whatever set the Knicks run like he utilizes those screens so successfully he's so patient with them and he'll navigate around those screens that that we set with our bigs and you know just does a great job of at changing the pace of his game and playing fast or slow when he needs to and that's how he gets to the hoop right he uses that elusiveness that strength that bully ball you know to get to the rim and finish and his finishing ability is also growing he, he's got such a nice touch around the rim you know earlier today i saw him finish with his offhand he's had a couple of nice finishes with his offhand recently excuse me but he's and the body control when he's going up there to finish has improved. So many things you can really just contribute to RJ's success this year. Um, 
you know, it's been finishing at the rim, but obviously lately it's been the shooting. The three-point shooting, not only that, but the mid-range shooting has even been great. We've seen a lot of pull-up mid-range lately. He's just pulling up with ease, going right into it so naturally in the mid-range. That's becoming a bread and butter for him. Um, and of course, the, the three-ball, right? He's so comfortable on those catch-and-shoot threes and... I was reading an article today. It's not even just in the corner. A lot of them have been in the corner, but um, it was an article I was reading. I think it was posting and toasting where they put up an art, uh, uh, like a, a graphic, like a spray chart over the last 20 games, was it? Don't quote me there, but I'm pretty sure it's like the last 20 games, RJ's spray chart, and they were showing his three-point shots, and... Not all of them were below the break. There were uh, quite a few above the break. Um, and I think the only spot where he really wasn't connecting was like the, the top of the key, those threes. And, you know, that's, that's, he doesn't operate there anyway. And that's, you know, nobody really thrives there um, a ton. So he's really been consistent from three off that catch, not just in the corner, but above the break, you know, near the elbow too. You know, the wing three, the corner three, the elbow threes. They've all been falling, so you really have to just just when he has that jumper going, it's so it's so big, right? It's so big. It opens up so much for RJ when he's shooting the J consistently. Um, you know, the better he gets at it, the closer he's going to get to becoming that twenty-point scorer on a nightly basis. Um, you know, he's he's uh, I think last twenty-seven games, he's just under fifty percent from. Um, long distance so that's a pretty long span that's a pretty fucking long span and if you go farther back to after the first six games of the year right that was during his fucking 0 for 21 three-point stretch he's 40 percent so pretty much the entire season you know almost the entire season he's 40 percent guy's been balling he's really shooting the three-point percentage well and he's finally got the overall three-point clip back to respectability to where people really can't knock him for that anymore. And knock on wood. Because it can always go back down. But right now he's looking so strong. Um, again not even just the three point. But that mid range too. Which I think is more important at the moment. You know finding another move. To go to when the three ball isn't falling. Is having the ability to shoot the mid range. So you know those rebounds aren't always long rebounds. Um, when he does miss. So he's been so he's been so strong man. And, and it's it's. The defense has has shown some improvements. I still don't love how a lot of the times he'll be a little too far off his man and, and he'll need to come out more. And, you know, the off-ball defense is something I think needs improvement. But on the ball, he's shown a, a lot of improvements. He's shown a big jump there. Um, the rebounding, of course, has been strong for a wing. His playmaking is good. I want to see him more in a playmaking role. And we're starting to see. To be honest, to, to credit Thibodeau, we're starting to see some more point RJ out there, um, and he's thriving with it, right? When he gets when he gets ball time, but also just space to operate, and part of that comes with not having Peyton on the floor. He's going to get more assists because I feel like he should have a lot more than two point nine assists per game. Um, you know, earlier in the year he was hovering around four or five for for a week or two. I think he can eventually get to that level if you surround him with actual consistent floor spacers, right? Outside of Randall, who mostly operates in the triple threat anyway, you know, near the top of the key and on the elbow, you don't have a consistent three-point shooter. 
You know, you have Noel and Tosh, who obviously are just going to hover around the restricted area in Rim Run. You've got Bullock and Burks, though, who are supposed to be these floor spacers. And, you know, the percentages may say they do, but if you watch them on a consistent basis, they're extremely inconsistent, where they're only on every fifth day, which they have a breakout performance to pad that percentage. And it's like, you you got to pair more, more, you got to pair RJ more with RJ, I'm sorry, more with, with IQ and Julius, like he did today. We saw a ton of that tonight, or this afternoon, rather. And I think that's something I really want Tom Thibodeau to stress more, especially once we start playing these elite competition, this elite competition that we have coming up, right? We've got the Nets, the Sixers, and we've got a whole lot of good teams coming up on this on the slate here in the second half. So that you want to see. And, you know, just the way he plays with those two other guys and the way they play with him, it's spectacular. You had RJ and Randall terrible last year together as a pairing. This year, Randall with that driving kick, hitting up RJ in the corner for three, it's been like, it's been automatic. And here's Randall today, 26, 12, and 12. You know, the night after scoring just seven points, or the game after scoring just seven points, he goes out there and has one of his better games of the year. Um, and I don't want to keep beating the dead horse, but what is there to say? You know, throw this guy the fucking bag if you need to. Honestly, I don't even care at this point. He's deserved it. Um, Obi Toppin is screwed. I gotta tell you that. Um, he's so fun to watch. IQ was so fun to watch. 21 more points tonight. You know, 9 for 16 from the floor. 3 for 8 from 3-point distance. Do the math. You know, what's that make him on two? That's eight, seven, six. I'm on the spot now. Uh, six for... Six for eight, if I'm correct, on two-point shots. And, you know, again, he had that floater. He kind of rediscovered that floater today. You know, we, we've been missing that last couple of weeks, but he brought it back today, and, and it was falling. It was fucking falling. So, he's so fun to watch, man. He's so quick, so shifty. You know, changes directions so fluidly when he's got the ball in his hand. Um, so smart. Just a very smart player. Knows how to draw those those jump fouls. And just needs to play more. He got 32 minutes tonight. He got 32 minutes this afternoon, man. I loved it. But it's like, why does he have to score 21 plus points just to get those 30-minute games? It's like, can he do it more consistently, Thibodeau? Um, but he again, he plays so well with RJ Barrett. Um, just... You know, even when he's with Julius and Julius is running the uh, running the offense, IQ is so capable of he's still capable of playing that that off the ball position, right? That two guard, where he can clear the paint with, for RJ Barrett and Julius by spotting up, right, and having Julius run the run the point guard role, and you know, on time and in times where he need for R, where RJ needs to spot up for some shots. If Julius isn't doing it, you have IQ, who's able to create a little bit. And, you know, he's not a playmaker, but he has that ability to create in pick-and-roll scenarios and kick it out to R.J. Barrett. So, I, again, his ability to draw defenses out of the paint and open up spacing opportunities here for the Knicks is so tremendous. And it just goes back to what we keep saying, right? That, that those two together are so much better than when you pair him with Alfred, right? The, there was that moment tonight where I just loved. I like, I just, I fucking loved it. It was um late in the or early in the third quarter maybe. There was that quick steal, where quickly stole it so fast the camera didn't even catch it, but it panned to quickly getting the steal 
and he kicks it to RJ in transition. RJ finishes at the rim. It was just beautiful. And, and like minutes after that, you have RJ Barrett driving and kicking it to quickly for three and quickly knocks it down. Those two just play so well off each other, man. They play so well. They have a great on-court chemistry. And the Knicks have themselves a fantastic trio of those three guys. So you want to see those guys get minutes together. So I like that Tom Thibodeau was experimenting with those three as starters, um, you know, in that second half because IQ came out as the starter in the third quarter. So you hope that's an indicator of things to come, but you don't know, right? You don't know. Um but hopefully, man, hopefully, hopefully we can get Rose back soon and Mitch, but you know, I'm not hearing great news on Mitch. I heard that he may not come back and honestly, I'm not shocked, but hopefully Rose can get this whole protocol bullshit over with. I can't believe it's gone on this long. Um, what he brings to the table, man, Rose, it's so big. We, we really need him back. And again, especially when we start playing better teams who aren't named the OKC Thunder, you're going to need Rose in that lineup. You know, I'm still for Rose as the starting point guard. I, I still think you do that. You give him 25 minutes and you, you split those minutes with quickly and you tell Peyton to, to go be an astronaut. You know, you could, you could, you know, cause Rose is older. He's still injury prone. So you got to limit him. So I think 25 minutes is perfect. You let IQ finish the games. Cause you know, Rose sometimes has the tendency to wear down as the game goes along and you do it that way. And again, just getting him back into this lineup would be huge. Hopefully we have him for Monday because we're going to need him for Monday. You know, that fast paced play that we talk about, he needs that. He brings that, you know, the Knicks offense is, is not, that's the one thing that hasn't really been improved from this year to last year or last year to this year is that offense. It's still pretty slow, you know, and a big part of that is having Alfred Payton start for you 30 minutes tonight. And, when Rose is out there with IQ, RJ, Randall, you get such a faster offense, man. It's so much, the tempo just picks up, you know, and you see it. it des they desperately lack that fast break type of offense without him on the floor. You ain't getting it with EP. You know, IQ is going to do his thing in the half court. But Rose having that full court athlete, you know, the most athletic guard on this unit, it's so important. He's just an aggressive slasher and that, you know, being that guy who can, another guy who's so great on that driving kick, it just opens up so much spacing on the perimeter for the Knicks. And he's a good finisher. He's he's a consistent mid-range shooter. The three ball's been there as a neck. I don't expect that to continue to be as sharp as it's been, but he's always been a good mid-range shooter. And he just brings so much more weapons as an offensive player then Alfred Payton, <laughs> you know, so I'm hoping he gets back from this bullshit protocol thing soon enough uh, because the Knicks just, they only had six fast break points tonight. It's, it's the scary thing is that's not even shocking. Um, so we need him back out there. Um, and, you know, to win this game, just again, the Knicks winning four out of the five games when Alfred Payton sits, that's not shocking. They're three, and zero when Alfred Payton sits and Derek Rose takes his spot, um, and, and also, also in all five of these games, I, I went back and checked in all five of these games, they're over 40% from three point distance without Alfred Payton on the floor. And that's not just to say Alfred Payton's jump shot is whack, but again, it's Alfred Payton being on the floor, shrinking the floor, you know, that also harms the Knicks percentages in, in multiple ways there. So 
By the way, did you guys see the fucking New York Post? This was before the first half of the season, uh, before the second half of the season. You know, a uh, midway through a report card. They had Alfred Payton a B plus. They had him at a B plus, a B plus, dude. And I shit you not, I was reading the description for it, the explanation as to why they gave Alfred Payton a B plus. They called the guy. You can go and look it up. I have a screenshot of too. So in case they end up deleting that article and firing whoever the fuck wrote that, published that, which I wouldn't be surprised if they did, because Jesus, that was bad. I have it screenshotted where they called this guy a forever underrated steadying force who wiggles his way into the paint with craft. And you can look it up on my Twitter. I have the screenshot in my photos. I will repost it again if you want me to. They called him a forever underrated steadying force. A force. It's, I swear to God, whoever wrote that piece was trying to troll all of Manhattan. I shit you not. I know that was a troll job. I know that was a troll job because there is no way anybody could ration with me and give him more than a C. I gave him a D plus in my rating, in my report card at the half. I won't go higher than C. I really won't give you any more leeway than that. And even that's stretching it. They gave the guy a fucking B plus. A fucking B plus. What are you watching? Do you watch? Are you just like ESPN? Do you watch? Is DSJ sitting in Westchester while Austin Rivers kills it? Is that what you think too? Fucking hell. <laughs> Forever underrated steadying force. B plus. Yeah. All right. Sure thing. But, um, yeah, man, they, they just need to start D-Rows. You know, like I said, 25 minutes even. Just have the other 25 go to IQ. Get Peyton out of this rotation and, you know, have IQ close the games while Rose starts. And that's fine with me. You know. Um, other than that, I've got no complaints. Just, just the rotations, right? It's, you know, eventually we're going to have to make some adjustments here. It's not just Alfred Peyton. It's Reggie Bullock. Just more times than not just being unproductive is it unproductive or is it non-productive i think it's not being productive we'll just say um and alec burke's very inconsistent too he's better than bullock but he's still pretty up and down um, just you know i would like those you know we're, we're gonna have to shake up this starting lineup you know whether that mean iq plays along rj and randall and you take out Bullock and Peyton or Derrick Rose in that spot. Just anything to get Peyton out of there and to give Bullock less minutes at least, you know. And it's like some of these kids who doesn't play, It's there are so many windows. It's not even about playing them at the top of the game. Even at the end of games. Like There are these, these opportunities where the Knicks are blowing teams out or the Knicks are getting blown out towards the end of the game, like the final six, seven minutes where there's no chance the opposing team is coming back. And we still have Randall, RJ, Derek Rose out there a lot of the time playing useless minutes. And it's like, why can't we use those minutes to see what we have in Kevin Knox and Obi Toppin and Frank Nilakina? you know, save the mileage on your top guns when you know this game's in the bag. And on top of that, you get to see what you have in these young guns. 
I mean, Frank should play more. I know he sucked tonight. I know he's pretty pathetic offensively every other game, which is technically an improvement from where he was last couple years. But, like, he had two bad fouls tonight, and he was never seen again until garbage time in this one. It's like, can we play him more than 12 minutes, whatever it was? Can we... Can we... I don't know, man. I, I just... You know, very rare do you see Tom Thibodeau make adjustments when it comes to taking out some vets and plugging in some of the younger kids. It's it's a shame that like Kevin Knox is no longer part of this rotation because he was really playing pretty well, you know, at the start of the season, hitting those corner threes. And he hit a corner three when he came in today. He's I think forty percent from three point distance still. I think he would really help this Knicks team out. This is a team who really needs some three point shooting. We mentioned that, you know, RJ RJ and Knox was a great pairing. You know, those two and Mitch were really good together. IQ was really helpful for Knox. He was really, his 1-2 game with Kev was really strong earlier in the year. I think he should get another shot. Um, Obi Toppin continues to not play, but when he plays, he's really hard to watch. But I still think he should, I don't know, that, that's a little bit tougher because, I don't know. I still think we should see more 4-5 with Toppin and Randall, even, you know. I know Noel's been good. Tosh has been okay, but there are still times where there, there's a window there. There's a window there, right? When you're in need of some offense and you're you're tired of watching Noel drop passes like he's Evan Ingram at his worst, you fucking plug in Obi Toppin. You have Randall run the four and Obi run the small ball five. And I just think, you know, little shit like that, just some of the rotation non-decisions by Tom Thibodeau really irks me. But other than that, I really can't complain. I really shouldn't be complaining at all. But, I mean, yeah, he's, he's just been fantastic. It's been a fantastic season so far. And you have to you have to give credit to Tom Thibodeau. You know, I never thought I'd be saying the Knicks are a 500, an above 500 team in the second half of a season. But fucking here we are. And we're here. You know, and, and I don't want to bring this up because I hate, I'm a big fan, I'm a big uh, believer Rather in like coincidence, in uh, not coincidence, in um, what do you call it? I guess jinx. There was a word I was looking for. What do you call it? Uh, superstition. I'm a big believer in that. Knock on wood. See, um, but like, even if we don't make the playoffs, and God, I hope I don't have to. I hope we do. I hope we can find a way in. But say, worst case scenario, we miss the playoffs. I still think we can. I still think there's a shot we finish the season as long as we keep playing hard. On a positive note, I still think. You know, I just hope that by the end of the year, playoffs or not, we can look at it and see massive improvement, right? Um, maybe we do get in though. Maybe we find a way to, you know, grind through this brutal schedule. I think it's the fourth toughest schedule um, in the second half via basketball reference, if we can figure out a way to miraculously pull this off and sneak in with the number 10 seed, which I think is best case scenario, 9 or 10 for us, that's a hell of a fucking job, man. They would have earned it. Anything from there on out is a bonus. But we'll see what happens. Right? I don't want to, again, I don't want to play this game. I'm very superstitious. Um, so... Let's hope we can do that. Let's hope we can keep pushing through here and, and see what happens. It's it's one day at a time, guys. It's one day at a fucking time. But 
right now, man, I am so proud of this t- this Knicks team. And Tom Thibodeau, man, I, I am so proud of him. And it only makes you think, what would have happened with the Knicks if it was Thibodeau, you know, a couple years ago and not David Fisdale? Would they be a lot farther in this in this um, process? Had he would have had he had he been hired? Had he have been hired two years ago? Can't talk. But um, I don't want to play that game. It's just going to make me depressed when I shouldn't be because we're in a good spot. So, second game back from break. It all goes well. The Knicks take down the OKC Thunder. And they end up splitting here these first two games out of the break. Um, but a good bounce back this afternoon. And, again, R.J. Barrett continues to play terrific basketball. Julius Randle continues to play at an all-star level, and they are going to need him to play at peak Randle all-star caliber level for the rest of this season because, boy, are they going to need it with this schedule, man. Um, IQ continues to play good basketball, man. The guy is so fun to watch. And, again, hopefully, hopefully when we get D-Rose back and when Tom Thibodeau sees the competition that we have on this schedule, he does a smart thing and tells Alfred Payton to fill out an application for NASA. And um, we'll see what happens from there, guys. So let's head to break. And when we get back from our final break, we'll uh, we'll do the NYY, NYK question of the day. And we'll wrap it up from there. All right. Be right back. Hey, fellas. So really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media, even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash RJ Carbone. That is linktr.ee slash RJ Carbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. All right. So, last time out, our NYY, NYK question of the day for episode 220. Yankees question. How many teams did Billy Martin go on to play for after his New York Yankees stint? Okay, so he started his career with the Yankees and he played for them for, I want to say, six years. But the rest of his career, how many teams did he play for after leaving the Yankees? Was it 57 maybe? Maybe a bit earlier. How many teams did he go on to play for? All right. So that was our question for episode 220. The answer to that question it was six teams. He played for six teams after leaving the Yankees. That's a lot of teams because I think he didn't even play more than six years. Yeah, he bounced around after that. Um, but Billy Martin played for six teams outside of his Yankees career. I think, if I'm correct, it was three National League teams and three American League. Don't quote me on that. Um, but that was the answer to 226. Um, excuse me. But our MYY on my kick question of the day for this episode 221 is 
So we obviously saw Julius Randle record his second double, uh, triple double of the season. But who was the last Nick to record at least two triple doubles in the season? And when was that? So it's a two-part question. Who was the last Nick to record at least two triple doubles in a season? And when? Uh, if you want a hint, I'll give you a hint. Breen said it earlier on the telecast today. Um, as soon as Randall hit the triple-double mark in the second half, Breen mentioned who it was and when it was. All right, so one last time, our NYYNYK question of the day for episode 221 brought to you by Anchor. Best way to make a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The last Nick to record a triple-double and when. All right. I'm sorry. The uh, the last Nick to record at least two triple doubles in a season and when. All right. So outside of Randall, obviously, who did so today. So that was the uh, that's our MYYMYK question of the day for 221. Guys, thank you so much. That's all we've got for this episode. This is Rob uh, R J Carbone. And you are listening to BD4, episode 221 of the podcast. If you want to download the podcast, be sure to do that. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, do that right now on YouTube or on the plenty other podcast platforms where you can listen to us. Um, in order to subscribe to the pod, subscribe to my blog, and follow me on social media even, just go to my link tree. It'll take you to all those links. So go to my link tree. That is link tr.ee forward slash rj carbone link tr.ee forward slash rj carbone guys thank you so much and i will see you i think we have a back-to-back coming up so i will see you on tuesday night or, or wednesday morning um that'll be when i release the the episode so i'll see you in 222 on wednesday morning if all continues to go as planned uh, so we've got the Nets on Monday and then the Sixers on Tuesday. So if you just listen to the podcast, I will see you on Wednesday morning. But if you follow along with the blog, I will see you tomorrow morning. Or as you're listening to this, it's probably tomorrow morning. So as you are listening to this, it should be Sunday, March 14th. So you've probably read the blog if you're a follower of the blog. And you're probably listening to this podcast right now. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for reading and listening Guys, I appreciate every bit of it, and I'm going to sign out on that. Thank you guys so much. Once again, I am your host, RJ Carbone, with episode 221 of the podcast, BD4, and I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. 